Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Cleaning and Cocktails. Uh, I know it's been a minute, I've been away, uh, it's been a crazy past couple weeks, uh, but you'll see why and I'm sure you've seen why we've had a lot of things going on, but I'm super stoked to have the guest that I have on today. I had the pleasure of meeting her in person uh, just last week, right? So again, you guys know the deal, uh, we're here to empower the cleaning space, we're here to share stories, we're here to bring people like Debbie to really just put a spotlight on the space, right? Speakers, consultants, technology experts, cleaning companies, big, small, large, residential, anybody and everybody in the cleaning industry is who we bring on this show to just shed a positive light. So Debbie, I don't even think I need to make an introduction. I just need to say Debbie Sardone. And like I told you, many, many titles, you guys, the maid coach, uh, the founder of the not-for-profit Cleaning for a Reason, I just gave her a new title, El Chingona, which is a badass in Spanish. Um, but I like Debbie, that. Do you like that one? That's a good one, right? I like that. Uh, Debbie, I again, I don't want to go too much into – we have so much to talk about. But do me a favor. For those of you – those are the people that don't know Debbie Sardone. Um, quick re- – who is Debbie? Because we're going to get into the journey. But just you know, give us a rundown for a couple of minutes. Okay, I'm a recovering cleaning lady. I love to clean. I started my cleaning company, residential cleaning, out of the trunk of my car. And I cleaned and worked really hard for many, many years until I turned that cleaning job into a cleaning empire. And now I have uh, uh, one, I'm in the top 1% of residential cleaning companies. We do over $2 million a year in residential revenue, over 50 employees. I bought the business Speed Cleaning, so now I manufacture uh, eco-friendly cleaning products and sell tools and equipment, ship them all over the world. I started the nonprofit Cleaning for a Reason, which I know we will talk about later, where we are the largest and the only nonprofit in the world that's cleaning for cancer. And then lastly, my passion project, the thing I really love, is helping cleaning business owners just like you do Ricky, and we now have the number one residential cleaning business academy in the world for business owners that want to turn their cleaning job into a cleaning empire. We've made more mop-free millionaires than anyone on the planet. I I, I heard that phrase. I saw that <laughs> phrase. I love it. Uh, and, and again, not to say that doing the work is not as rewarding as being, you know, reaching that kind of level, um, it's all rewarding, right? Just to see, and I'm sure for you to see the journey of these people that, you know, start, it is start from one point to get to where they're going. Right. Exactly. Especially the owners, the entrepreneurs that started out cleaning. I mean, I cleaned for eight years and I loved it. I'm still cleaning fun. I cleaned up after that party. I cleaned up after that party. (laughs) I know. I saw you and your team just hustling and emptying (laughs) trash cans. There were a lot of empty beer bottles. And, you know, there's no shame in cleaning. I have employees who have cleaned for me for years that love what they do. But as an entrepreneur, we're never satisfied with the size business we have. We're never satisfied, Mm -mm. right? We're not interested in a nine to five job. We're interested in building empires. So when I hit my threshold and I knew I couldn't grow my business any bigger unless I figured out how to be a leader instead of a cleaner, I was frustrated till I was able to take the next level and the next level and the next level. And that's really what entrepreneurialism is, is we're just never satisfied. There you go. Well, cheers to that, Debbie. Cheers Cheers to that. I got my cocktail. (laughs) (laughs) So... Debbie, I mean, you've touched on it before. You've, you host events yourself. You've been to many events. I know I'm probably going to see you in Vegas. I'm not sure. Are you going to be in, in Vegas for BSCII? Definitely. I, I okay. will see you. Absolutely. So, we have a booth as well. Nice. So you were at the Cleaning and Cocktails first ever live event. I mean, how, how did you feel coming to that? And first of all, for everybody to know how bad, again, how much of a chingona uh, Debbie is, I reached out to Debbie pretty pretty much like a cold reach out, right? I had seen, I had known who you were, um, but what kicked me off to really trigger the idea of getting you on was I saw your ZenMade, right? Because I, I did a speak a session on ZenMade. You had one. I was like, you know what? It's worth a shot. Let me bring her. I mean, let me reach out to her. She answered the call immediately. She reached out. We hit it off. She flew out here. She set up. 
did her thing as our keynote speaker. What did you think of our small intimate event? I was so impressed. I would never have guessed it was your first event. You filled the room to capacity. Everybody there said, I love this. When are we doing it again? You know, you've done a great job when the people attending, it was worth every dime they spent in hotel and airfare and leaving their business. And it was so exciting, Ricky. I mean, I would have thought you were a seasoned pro. I've been to many, many events that were not as exciting and well run. Your staff was so professional and so excited and energized. And they made all of the guests, all of us as attendees and speakers, feel welcome. And you had vendors there. And I I connected with vendors I've wanted to connect with. It was just a powerhouse of resources. And the attendees said it was life-changing for some of them. They literally said, this is a game changer for me. So kudos. Thank you. And I hope you'll do it every single year. And I want to come back next year. That's all I want to say. You're going to be a part of it every year. I mean, that, that was I the first, so. that was the first of many. I was nervous to, to, to be honest. You did but phenomenal. One, yeah, I loved it. What, by the time that second day came around, I was like, oh man, I'm like, I think we got something. Like everybody's anticipating, like we were, it was, it was actually better that it was close and, or um, not close. I mean, like the, the venue, it was different. It was not your hotel conference room. You know, it was, you know, it was a smaller I've, setting that allowed us to rub. Like you said, you almost had to talk to people and meet them yes. because you were in front of their faces. I think that was the magic because your, your setting was intimate. It had built in scarcity. Be one of the 100 because otherwise you're going to miss out. Yeah. I had and to turn people away. Yeah. We had to exactly. turn people away. So they'll be on your waiting list for next year. But I think what was so powerful is entrepreneurs need to be inspired by another successful entrepreneur. They look at your facilities. They look at the beautiful decor and they realize, hey, as a cleaning company, I don't have to look like a dirty, nasty warehouse. I can create an atmosphere where employees love to come. I could tell that your employees love to come to work there. Beautiful, encouraging, inspirational quotes, uplifting quotes on every single wall. The bathrooms are beautiful with candles and fresh flowers. And I thought, this is a company that shows prospective employees that we care about you so much that we made your environment incredible. So I think that was an extra dose of magic as people got to see a real live functioning, successful business that they can aspire to if they just keep up leveling their training. Oh, Debbie, I, you actually nailed the reason why I held it at the office. Like I, I was getting scared with how many people were, were signing up and I was like, oh man, we might as well, I don't have, sp we don't have the space for this. Like now, you know, you saw seats on the corners and stuff, but you just hit it. Is the point though was walk into a space that's real, walk into a space that's genuine, that has authenticity. And you could say they did that. So I can do it. Exactly. And that's it. And then walk out. And, and I want to learn from these guys. Yeah. And I yeah. want to learn from these guys. Yeah. Exactly. So, and you know, uh, you can't fake success when they can see it. Yeah. In your business. True. There you go. Yeah. Which we'll get into, you know, other, other people that are out there that, uh, you know, and I heard it from a lot of these people that have tried, you know, cause they were hungry. We saw it. Yeah. They were hungry. Yeah. They were driven. They were motivated. They sacrificed. Right. Cause I'll tell you, Debbie, I heard from a lot of people that couldn't come, uh, I can't leave my business, right? And you touched on that in your presentation. They're like, uh, I can't leave for two days, Rick. I can't even leave for a day. I'm like, all right, well, let's work on that. That's the next, well, we'll you're coming it's to the next one. heartbreaking. Yeah, it is yep, heartbreaking. You're coming to the next one. Yeah. You got to make it happen. Yeah. So let's, yeah. let's dial back to when Debbie was in the midst of everything, because I remember my moment. But what, what was that moment for you that you said, I made the right decision? to be in this industry. I made the right decision to be a cleaner, to be a business owner. What is there a moment? I'm sure there's many, but do you remember a precise moment? There were a few that stand out where I realized, oh my word, I cannot believe that I stepped right into a gold mine. right? There were a few of those moments, but I would say probably one realization was the moment I realized I can never work for somebody else again. 
And that's that moment as an entrepreneur where you have just enough success, you're making just enough money, you really love the fact that you don't have to ask anybody to take off or have a day off or go on vacation, just yourself, as long as I fix my broken mess and I can be where I want to be when I want to be there. It was that moment where I realized I was at the point of no return as an entrepreneur, not only do I never want to work for somebody else again? So basically entrepreneurialism, when you really get bit with the bug, it ruins you. It, it right? does. You never yeah, like gonna... it, you, I can't go back. Like, I can't... No, <laughs> you, you realize I can't go back. I'm and all in. They wouldn't have me back they have at this me. point, right? <laughs> because I'm bossy, You're bossy. and I, yeah. I have a better way and I'm always innovating and I'm always creating just like you are. I could see mm-hmm. the wheels turning a mile an hour in your head. And it's like, they wouldn't want me. And I know I couldn't work for another person again. And that was a big turning point in my entrepreneurial journey. It's like, I'm all in. There is no plan B. There is no exit door. Yeah. And it's, you know what? And it's scary. Like you could, you know, again, like when you talk to business owners, like uh, it's a risk, you know, because at the end of the day now, yes, you make all the decisions. You're on your time. Like you said, you don't answer to anybody, but guess what? You answer to yourself. Like if you aren't staying busy, being proactive, being creative, uh, the buck stops with you and it's going to, it's going to slam in your face if you don't step it up. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, You get to take all the credit when it succeeds, but you have to be willing to take all the blame when it's failing. Because if I blame myself, I can fix it. If I blame everything else and everybody else, the government, the stimulus, the pandemic, those lazy employees, the people that the, the bad work ethic, if I blame everything else, then I have no control. Yeah. But if I take all the credit, I have to take all the blame. And if I take all the blame, then I also take back control and I can fix whatever problems I'm going through. Yeah. So Debbie, I remember when we first spoke too. you had, um, well, I mean, it, it says it all over your website too. Anything that you, you know, you guys can Google Debbie, you'll find like 10,000 pages of her, but um, it's very residential focused. It's very um, housekeeper. I, but as I heard you speak, as I listen to some of your videos, as I hear you talk, I yes, it's you know geared towards residential. But I got to say, for people that would think like you know, to be honest, the first time I ever saw it, I was like, oh, Debbie knows it's residential. She doesn't know commercial for me. But listening to you, it, it felt universal. Like it felt. The issues that you were talking about were very, uh, both sides, the, yeah. the, the, the elements of your presentation. I mean, I don't think one person in the audience, cause I got a lot of great feedback. I actually got to share some of that feedback with you, but it, it didn't speak to, oh, but that's not commercial. Everything was, wow, that's me as a business owner. Like shed some light on for, for people that may think, you know, cause remember my audience is a lot of commercial cleaners. I'm in the commercial cleaning space, right? But I feel like you touched on, you you were able to to really touch on both sides. Like, what do you have to say about something like that? Well, thank you, because that means a lot to me. I, I have always believed and have seen that the principles of success are universal. The principles of failure are universal. And the strategies and the systems are very similar in one service industry to the next service industry to the next, whether you're power washing, carpet cleaning, cleaning buildings, or cleaning houses, these principles are universal. Um, Service industries struggle with finding and attracting the right employees. We all struggle, whether it's building cleaning or home cleaning, with overly price sensitive public who thinks we should charge less but deliver the best. The best. Yeah, we all struggle with the same concepts. The challenges are the same. And so when you are in front of a business owner who has mastered most of those challenges, you're going to learn from them no matter what industry you're in. I mean, I've I've coached restaurant owners. I've coached people who owned auto mechanic shops, uh, construction businesses, and even consulting business owners. It's like, the concepts are universal. The concepts are universal. So thank you for sharing that. No, yeah. That, I mean, that was important to me just because, again, like, I, you know, 
I'm running around and I'm hearing it and I'm like, oh, I got to come back. I'm like, I, I heard a good point here. Oh, I saw now, this. Now, the fact this that we're both, we're both in the cleaning industry, it makes it even easier for the application to be universal. Because right? yeah. I'm not talking about a dentist or a veterinarian. So it's even easier for the concept to be universal because I know the janitorial industry struggles to grow because they can't find great workers that they can trust and scale with. And it's oh, the yeah. same problem it's the same with residential. Same yeah. problem. So now let's talk about, because I, you know, again, I'm, I'm thinking about some of these, my little scratch notes that I, that I made from the presentation. Uh, the self-managed, self-managing company, the, the what, why, who, I felt that was very, uh, it, was, it was strong. Like, it, you know, it really hit home. And I seen a lot of the business owners taking notes. So did that, where did that concept come from or where, you know, did that happen well, with you, you know, first or like how, how did that happen? No, it, nothing originates with me, right? I've been reading hundreds of business books and listening to podcasts like yours and watching YouTube videos. And I'm, I am, like I noticed you are a nonstop student. I'm always learning. So it, nothing originates with me. I'm always learning from somebody else and then figuring out how do I apply that to the cleaning industry. Okay. And so I've been saying for for probably 15 years, you know, I used to say it less eloquently, but fire yourself, right? As an entrepreneur, the reason we get stuck, we hit a new ceiling of complexity that we can't break through is because we've got to fire ourselves. So a better way of saying it, because I read a book recently by Dan Sullivan called Who Not How, a better way to say it is find your next who. We spend so much time worrying and obsessing in the world of overwhelm. And when you're overwhelmed, you're already past the point you should have looked for your next who. Yeah, always try to be proactive. So yes, yes. Be proactive yes. at what am I still doing that I should have handed off? And it's probably, Ricky, it's a lot of it is we take so much pride in it. Nobody can do it as good as us. 100%. That's, why we, that's me. We don't want to stop cleaning. Yeah. We don't want to stop cleaning because number one, we love it. Number two, we love our customers. And number three, nobody can clean like me, yeah. right? But- when I hit that point where I'm doing marketing and payroll and checking houses and closing sales and buying supplies and doing the cleaning, that's when overwhelm hits and people want to walk away and quit. Yeah. And that's time to say, there are certain things I shouldn't be doing anymore and start looking for who. See, everybody's looking for how do I do more? Oh, I guess I need another app. I need another software. I need another. No, this, yeah. another that. That's where tech, another tech can't come in. Yeah, tech can't come can't, in when it's when it's it's the human to human. Exactly. We need to stop obsessing over how to do more in a day, how to get more done in a day, and start thinking more about who should I now hand this off to so I can spend time on this higher level work that's gonna move my business to the yeah. next phase. I'm, I'll tell you what, Debbie, I have been in search of an executive assistant. So for those out there that are listening, if you know one, send them that my way. I I never thought, I always, I was that guy who would, but why do you need an assistant? Why do you need an right. executive assistant? Why do you need a personal assistant? That's so dumb. It's the who. Like there, I know how efficient I can be. The days that I am focused on accomplishing my task at hand that have to do with me versus the things that should not have to do with me. And you will lose a day. You'll lose a week. You'll lose a month because your who is not there. So when you said that who, I was like, I think I ran out of the You bathroom. already knew. I, I ran out of the bathroom. You already I, was knew. Like, I was like, yes. That's, that, I need that, a who. I need here's, a who. Here's... Here's Whoville. one of my favorite. Where's Whoville? Here's one of my, <laughs> you got, you got to start living in Whoville, right? Yeah. Because of the advanced levels that your business is at. Um, one of my favorite phrases that really hit home with me is if you don't have an executive assistant, you are one. I was like, oops. I feel, yeah, yeah I feel it. What do you mean? You I have. My tasks that I'm exactly. doing today, you don't even want to know what I did today. I'm not even going to talk about it. Let's we'll, we'll move on to <laughs> to the next conversation because I'm still in that. Find, find your next who. Yeah. All right. And so, here's what's really cool for all of your listeners. Here's what's cool. 
and you will see this instantly when you finally find the right who. And sometimes you have to go through two or three till you get the right one. But when you find the right who, you actually make more money than their salary because you will up level the things you have time for. And it's those things that bring the most impact to your bottom line yeah. uh, or the quality of life. Oh, QOL. We're talking about that later. So yep. let's now let's talk about Debbie, the coach, or just coaching in general for our industry, because I don't know if you realize, but when you were at the event with us, did you see how many people are here? How many people want coaching? They're they're hungry for yeah. a coach. Uh, there's a there's a lot of snake oil, you know, people out there in our industry that take advantage of cleaning business owners. Uh, that yeah. again, you're you know it. You know it like I know it. It takes years of processes and systems. You can't do a two week workshop. You can't do a month, a one month workshop and expect to build a million dollar business. You know, like, I don't know your structure yet, your format on the Academy, but I got to get, I got to believe it's, it's a commitment to, to get to that next level. What, what do you feel like? What's the difference actually between a coaching or a coach and a consultant in your opinion? Well, I mean, I think the term has become a bit crossover. So people say I'm a coach, but they might be a consultant. They might be a coach, mm -hmm. right? The main thing is, are they an expert, right? I don't care what you call yourself. Are you an expert? Most people are too afraid or too uncomfortable asking that question. Are you an expert? Oh yes, I'm an expert. I can teach you how to make money in your sleep, right? Yeah. But the next, most people aren't asking enough questions. If the coach or consultant is doing all the talking, then you're being sold. Yeah. If you are asking, yes, if you yeah. are asking most of the questions, then you are researching and you are verifying credibility, credentials, and expertise. So my number one advice is ask more questions. I was listening to somebody interviewing a person I would consider a novice uh, about a year ago on a podcast. I was like horrified because the interviewer never asked, so by the way, how big is your company? That's, dude, that, <laughs> and I, that exactly. Like I'm, I, I hear about coaches that, I mean, they don't even have a cleaning company. I'm like, what, what, who? Or they have a tiny business yeah, like, and they're I mean, promising they're, to help you grow a big business. And nobody's asking, well, what size business do you have today? And it's oftentimes a tiny business. Yeah. So I think it's on us if we're going to hire somebody and invest so here's the thing, Ricky, you can make back the money you lose if you hire the wrong coach. If you oh, get into I've, I've a program. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've been I've there, been I, there, especially right? in real estate. I've been there. I oh, thought, yeah. Yeah. I thought I was going to flip houses like nobody's business. And yeah. I got, I got got, if, I got gotten a couple of times. Yes. If, if you hire somebody that's just selling something, it's probably not going to change your life. Right. Yeah. So if you ask enough questions, the thing is, if you make a few mistakes, you can make back money. I'm not afraid of losing money, but you can never make back that time. And that's critical. The time is priceless that you yeah. lost when you spent a year with the wrong person and all you got was a collection of tips and advice. Tips and advice doesn't change your life. So like the program I offer is actual entire structure. It is a five-step formula that people follow and we coach them through implementation. It isn't just give me the money. Here's the training. See ya. So it, it is important that you make sure you're working with an expert. And the second thing yeah. I would recommend in looking for an expert, and this is why I'm so glad I found you, because it's important that I have people I can refer who come to me and say, I want help building a, a large janitorial cleaning service. Well, I'm not your expert. I, I'm not going to work with you. I'm not going to take your money. And I have them people asking me, well, can I just work with you anyway? I'm like, no, that would not even be right. I'm not going to take your money because I'm not the best in the world in that space. So I want to send somebody who wants to build a janitorial company to you. And I hope you'll send people who want to build a residential cleaning company to a residential cleaning yeah. expert. There's no such thing as an everything coach. No, there isn't. That's and that's why, I, you know, yeah. for, for everybody who's listening to is, I mean, I know you were talking to Armando on the janitorial store side for me, you know, is 
we you know we're going to be talking about some stuff. There's ex- some exciting conversations we're going to be having where uh, to that notion, right? Is yeah. we, we want to align residential cleaning business owners with the right coaches and the right mentors to build their business, vice versa commercial, um, but work yeah. together, right? This is all one community. It's a cleaning community. So it is. There's a and lot. And we can that, help each other grow. Exactly. Right? Every residential yes. company turns down big janitorial opportunities because mm-hmm. somebody in the chamber of commerce said, can you go clean my two-story building? And Correct. Like, oh, I only do little insurance offices. They should be working together. And to then vice versa. Leads. Like, yes. I literally, I know, um, I think it was, I don't know if you met Tilly, but Tilly had messaged me yesterday and said, Hey Rick, one of our commercial clients has two residential properties that they own for Airbnb. They want them to get serviced. I'm like, uh, you know, we really, we don't do that yet. But right to that point is, the network, the community. This is why we got to bring it all together. Yeah. It becomes a distraction if you try to say yes to everything, right? And then you have to learn how to be the best in the new category you've just added. Instead, align yourself with partners where they're throwing you business they can't handle. You're throwing them business you don't want and everybody's happy. Yeah. Partnerships. You heard me talk about it. Affiliate partnerships, network, network, network. So moving past coaching, Let's talk about that word we just talked about earlier, the QOL. QOL. What, 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 to the audience that's listening or watching, what is QOL? Like, what, what does that stand for? It is the number one thing I value as a business owner and as a wife and a mother and now a Nana, uh, and that is quality of life. And here's the thing, Ricky, so many entrepreneurs who are in business for themselves quit their day job, quit corporate America because they were sick and tired of working all the time and having to answer to a a mean boss that didn't appreciate them. And all of a sudden, as entrepreneurs, we're the worst boss we ever had. The worst boss we ever had, right? And this new boss, myself, the person I look in the mirror, is the boss that makes me work seven days a week, nights, weekends, holidays, vacations, checking texts and emails, and not paying me well. In fact, sometimes not paying me at all because there's no profit. It's the worst boss in the world. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm a firm believer that we have to help entrepreneurs realize, stop accepting that, stop settling for that. It It's not the way it has to be. You can build a thriving, successful empire and have quality of life. So my philosophy is if you don't have time freedom, so what if you have money freedom? You don't have any time to spend it. And you might not have a family left uh, by the time you are older because they're going to scatter if I ignore them and neglect them. And I'm never there because my business runs me instead mm-hmm. of my me running my business. So quality of life is that piece that should be a part of your goals and a part of your ambition. You know, people have the goals they set at the year, at the end of the year, January one. And their goals say, we're going to hit, you know, a a million dollars more in revenue this year. We're going to add 30 employees. We're going to improve our profit margins by 3%. But where on the goals is it that I'll be home by five and my phone is off and my computer is never checked when I walk in the door? I'm never working Saturday and Sunday again. I will take a two-week vacation uninterrupted. Where's that goal? anywhere on too many. That'd be, and, I, and, you know, and I wanted people to hear about this QOL because I just had this conversation with my wife. Did you meet my wife? Did you get a chance to I meet did. Marley? She is okay. absolutely stunning. <laughs> Stunner. She's a stunner. She is stunning. <laughs> All right. So I had made, so I, I knew of quality of life. I knew about this concept, um, but I got to, I got to say I was guilty of, I ignored it. Right. I, I, I was focused on business, business, business. But this past year, uh, actually right after Vinny was born, um, Vinny's was turned one uh, last week. Because remember, I had the great idea of hosting a conference and then my son's birthday the day after. But neither here nor there. Uh, he, I remember telling her as I was like, you know what, Mar? All right, I'm like, let's let's compromise. I will work my ass off. Uh, this was last year. Work my ass off until. Uh, Nico, who is three right now, when he turns five and six and he's sports comes into the picture and yep. summertime is dedication to sports and, you know, you got to be there for him. 
I'm like, give me a couple years to continue to focus, get home late, and I will be there when I when he turns six years old, hopefully five, when he turns five to six and sports is in the picture, I'm home at six PM every day. Right? I'm home at five thirty PM. So I could take him to practice and I can go. But I'm like, you're right now you play the role of the mom and you you are awesome at being a mom right now. You give me those four, five, six years, I'll give you the rest, the rest until, you know, they don't want to talk to us anymore and they're 18 years old. But right. Uh, they don't want you in the room. But yeah. That but like, starts with a commitment that you just made. That I just made a commitment. Yeah, because I, I did say in order to have the freedom of life and making decisions for us and, and the kids and stuff, you got to sacrifice. Like, I'm sorry, anybody who's a business owner, as you know, too, like there is sacrifice that we make. Um, but if we at least recognize it, I feel like we're getting ahead of it then, you know, and then it's, it's the commitments that we have to make. Well, and you've given your family hope that dad, husband, isn't always going to be stressed out or at work and building a giant empire. You've yeah. given them the hope that if they'll give you a little more time, you have set a date, you have set a time. And now the challenge is not to break that yep. because the, 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 the entrepreneur is naturally drawn to achieving more once they hit a goal and achieving more and hit. Oh a goal. yeah. It's a, and it's so, a drug. It's like, I feel like I'm addicted. It, I'm addicted to it, this drug of entrepreneurship. If, if there is an addiction assigned to entrepreneurialism, it is the addiction of achievement and never being satisfied with where we are. I mean, I struggle with that, right? Never being satisfied with where I am. It's like, I got to a million. I wonder if I can get to 2 million, right? And so the fact that you started with a commitment, your goal now or your, your job now is to do everything you can to put enough systems and enough who's in place so that you don't have to break that promise. Yeah. Because once you start breaking it, that becomes another habit. And so that I know you'll keep it. Have I'm you heard of it. Parkinson's law? Parkinson's law? I've, no, explain it. The law. Okay. So Parkinson's law is where we basically time expands or contracts to fit the container we put it in. So here's an example of Parkinson's law. If you know you're going on vacation for one week next week, you will grind it out like a maniac to get everything done so that you can be out of there by Saturday, right? But if not, we don't have a vacation. You know, we, we get less done in a week. We get less done. So if we determine I will no longer work Saturdays and Sundays, guess what? We won't need to anymore. You know, used to, we were like, well, I got to do payroll. Well, I have to answer these emails. Well, I have to get caught up on my books, right? Yeah. So we'd use Saturday or we'd use Sunday or we'd use evenings after the kids went to bed when that's we're supposed good, to be with our spouse, yeah. right? Yeah. But if we decide no, the computer goes off and the cell phone gets turned on to silent after 6 p.m., no matter what, even if I lose my biggest account, if that becomes our commitment, we will find a way. You'll find the to way. To get it all done. You'll find the way. This is true. It's a good point. It's called Parkinson's law. You you fill the container or you fill the workday with you you fill the hours with whatever's available. You'll fill all it. Right. If you say eight hours is all that's available, you'll get it done. If you give yourself permission to work sixteen hours, it'll take sixteen hours. Love it. I'm going to make sure, Crazy. make sure I got Human a reference. Nature. I got a reference <laughs> that when we post this on YouTube, because I feel like a lot of people are going to want to reference that, that Parkinson's, Parkinson's law. law. Just Google it. I, they can explain it better on Google. Okay. And, and the most, here's the other thing that I always assign to quality of life, QOL. A lot of people can build a bigger business, but not everybody can build a bigger and better life. And I believe we must not settle for anything less, a bigger and a better life. Yes, I want more money. Yes, I want more success, but I also want a better life. And I, yes. I don't, I, I wanted to be there when my kids were in a cheerleading competition and my son was playing football. And I was, I, I got off at three most days back when my kids were little. Now mm. they have families of their own. <laughs> Love it. Love it. All right. So... To follow that up, I want to talk about these owner's activities that you had mentioned. 
Uh, again, you guys, uh, Debbie's dropping nuggets. I mean, I, these are golden nuggets for people. Just, uh, I hope you're listening. Um, when you said that, I almost fell off my chair, right? Because I, I lived that. I lived the the left top corner box. I lived the right top corner. Like I saw my last eight to nine years on a slide. Uh, did you? Again, I don't. You may say it didn't originate with you, but I mean, I don't. You know, doing it quickly, going through it wouldn't it do it wouldn't do it justice. But let's talk about those four four pillars of owners' activities. Yeah. So John Maxwell called them quadrants, right? Uh, different experts call them different things, but there, there's, there's these four categories in our life as an entrepreneur. And it, think of it, and this is how I simplify things. And one of our coaches in my CBF coaching program kind of made it even simpler. And she said, think of it as we do in a day, a 12-hour day or a 16-hour day, we do in a day $10 hour work as an owner because we wear all these hats, right? We do $10 an hour work, we do $100 an hour work, and we do $1,000 hour work, right? And those are the choices we make all day. And when we're overwhelmed and we need to hire a who, we find ourselves um, getting all the $10 an hour work done. And that could be refilling bottles, that could be shopping for cheaper supplies at Walmart. Going to um, Costco. Going to Costco. <laughs> cleaning another toilet because somebody quit without notice, right? Uh, that, and obviously you and I both know there's no such thing as $10 an hour work anymore. But for the sake of illustration, you can call it 15 an hour work. You can t call it 19 an hour work, but it sounds easier to say 10. That's $10 an hour work. And then there's $100 an hour work. And that's where we tend to be managing the processes or closing the sales. And then there's $1,000 an hour work. And that's when you you innovated a podcast that's like nobody else's. You had the time to think and plan and execute a hundred person event, which takes your business, your skills, and even your team to a whole new level that if you were out cleaning another toilet and didn't have time to do thousand dollar an hour work, innovative, creative work, the event wouldn't have happened. You wouldn't have had the additional contacts you need. And I saw your team, how they felt so incredibly inspired and proud to be a part of, of a team where people are wanting their advice and they're giving it. it you up-leveled your team with that event. If you had been too busy, that's yeah. $1,000 an hour work, innovative, creative, CEO-level work, you wouldn't have done it. And your uh, business would not hit an, another threshold that even that event will help you reach. No, that's a great point. That's And then that fourth quadrant is free time. It's quality of life. Yep. It's almost like entrepreneurs think that free time is a dirty word. Like we're supposed to always be working all the time. I feel and that all the truth, time. Like I yeah, don't like, like to not do something. I'm like, oh, no, should I not, should I be, not be doing exactly. something? Oh, exactly. it hurts. It does hurt. It does. It does. But if you don't take time to rejuvenate and refresh and give your family that part of you that the rest of the world gets, the rest of the world gets the best of Ricky, right? This highly successful entrepreneur, your customers get the best of Ricky, your employees get the best of Ricky, your vendors and your attendees at your conferences get the best of you. But then if we don't also recharge, rejuvenate, and give the best of ourselves, whether it's vacations, days off, quality time with family, then we will burn out and we won't be as successful and we won't yeah. even have the brain matter left over to work in that $1,000 an hour quadrant. It will uh, be too spent. That You know what, Debbie, too, and, and that touches on when you say the word burnout, too. Like, I know personally when I felt burnt out, I made bad decisions. I, yes. I acted out improper, right? Like not, not improper. It was desperate decisions or things that I'm like, damn, if I would have been we've all done it. level headed, yep. calm, my reaction yep. would have been different. Here's to, the thing. Yeah. When, when you work more in that higher level quadrant, and I would say, you know, for us, it's, it's really that $10,000 an hour quadrant. When you spend more time there and less time in the other two levels of quadrants and you protect 
and maintain as sacred time, days or time, uh, with the free time, when you do that, you actually stop reaching those burnout points. Yeah. Because you're you're doing what you love. I mean, yes. I can tell you loved yes. pulling off that conference. You loved it. You were oh, in yeah. your element. You were yeah. in your element. And you don't get burned out when you do what you love. Nobody ever got burned out going on vacation. Wow. Oh, I'm burned out. I don't want to go to Hawaii. I'm burned out. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> that's true. We, that's we, true. You don't yeah. get burned out doing what you love. We get burned out because we're past due to hire another who. Yeah. And you know what? I like, I think this is like just a whole nother conversation too, but that's, that's a great point to make about be on the lookout for the burnout that, that comes from your employees too. Like your top notch, top yes. level management. Cause if, Imagine when they're burnt out, you know, they're not going to tell you, they're not going to tell you, Hey, no. I'm overwhelmed. I, I need help. You need to make that call for them. You need they're to just make, they're going to give you notice. They're, they're yeah, going to give you notice. They're going to give you notice. And, and that's then, heartbreaking. And that's heartbreaking. And then it's, I, man, that's something that always hits with me is I want to always beat it to the punch. Oh, Rick, oh, we don't need that help. Yes, we do need help. Why? Because you're doing this, this, and that, that person is doing that. This is my job to notice these things. You're overwhelmed, right? Like exactly. Uh, so you had touched on a book earlier. We're talking about getting overwhelmed. We're talking about um, what do you do with free time, Debbie? <laughs> I don't know about you, but my like my free time. What I've learned to do now is read books. Book. You got those books yes. back there. I see you. But I was well. I was going to grab. But that's, oh, I have it. Yes. I, Keep going. I'm I listening. Got a, I got a couple books too. Right. But I, I say, Hey, to those who say they feel guilty about free time, go read a book then. Right. Go listen to a podcast. I, everybody that was at the conference, I actually wanted me to ask this question to is give us a couple of those books that you were mentioning. Cause everybody agreed. We feel like Debbie reads a lot of books. <laughs> I do. And I think it's because I had such a, bad start early in life. I got all the way through high school and had never read a book all the way through high school. I don't know how I even made it out of high school. So I've tried to make up for it since you made up for I truly, it. I truly love investing in my brain and learning and learning and learning. And I can tell you do too. So, um, I, I try to read a good 20 plus books a year and sometimes more. And one little tip is if you get sleepy cause you work so hard and you fall asleep reading after you know, a half of a page, then get a good audio book and make sure you're always listening to books when you're in your commute to work or anywhere you go. Listen to books instead of talk radio, which will make you depressed and angry. <laughs> That's a good point. So listen There's to no, books. Nothing good on radio or TV, to There's, be honest. Everything's negative. music, classical music yeah. can put you in a good frame of mind, but a good book will change your life. So I did write a list of books to share with you because I didn't want to forget Every year I end up having a favorite book that year, right? So I, I can't say I have a favorite book overall, but this year my favorite book is Who Not How by Dan Sullivan. And uh, I, I, I actually hired him, his organization recently to be in their mentorship program because I just love their philosophy. So Who Not How is one of those books everybody should read. But then I wrote down a few more. Do you want a few more? Go for it. Let, let, let them rip. Okay. Last year, I had to read this book several times because it's it's pretty intense, but it's amazing. Traction by Gino Wickman. And I oh, know yeah. you guys will put the list down here in the show notes, but yep. Traction and then Rocket Fuel is kind of like a simplified version of Traction. Awesome books. And then this is the book that will help you with keeping your goal for the quality of life piece or even setting out to have a planned vacation. Uh, without allowing any interruption. And that's Clockwork by Michael Malkowitz. Great book. And then his earlier book is called Profit First. So both okay. by Michael Malkowitz, best-selling author. And then an older version of that that I read probably 15 years ago, which is pretty much identical to Clockwork, but it's really good, is Good to Great by Jim Collins. That's an oldie but a goodie. I like nice. to take that off my shelf and re-look through it again. And of course, all of my, I like to hold them and buy them on audio. And they're all marked up with yellow highlighters and stars and circles. And yeah. I go back and I reference them. Um, another, this one, Ricky, is a must read 
for all entrepreneurs. This is an old book. And for years, I read it every year. I haven't picked it up in a little while, but it's called The E-Myth, M-Y-T-H. Oh, yeah. like I got, I got that one. by Michael I just, Gerber. I just ordered it. I, Garen told me about that book. Like, he's like, Rick, it's, you're doing it already, but he's like, you still got to read it. It's a must read. Yeah. That book will change your life. It was life-changing. It's The Entrepreneurial Myth is what it is. So it's called The E-Myth. And then a couple of other books that I find incredibly practical. We recommend even books like these to our employees. Number one, Darren Hardy wrote The Compound Effect, The Power of Incremental Change in Your Business. It's amazing. And then a easier to read book, a little less tactical, technical is The Slight Edge. So they're both about the power of small but repetitive changes in your business. They either make you better or make you worse. Nice. And so The Slight Edge. And then I got two more books that I just have to share with you. And these are books that we've done book studies with our team, our employees, our cleaners, everybody. One, and of course it fits perfect for the cleaning industry, is called How Full Is Your Bucket by Tom Rath <laughs> with an R. How Full Is Your Bucket. It's like the perfect book for the cleaning industry. Whenever we do the book study, we used to do it once a year. It's kind of stopped during the pandemic, but we'll resume. But we buy everybody a book, How Full Is Your Bucket?, we buy them a cute little galvanized bucket and oh a dipper. My gosh. And then I teach the concepts in the book to the to the employees about giving and taking. And it's just incredible. Um, how to fill the void in your life with giving instead yeah. of taking. People, instead of taking. People have a void in their life and they're always taking to try to fill their emptiness. And you can't. The only way you can fill your it emptiness feels, is by giving. It feels better to give. It yes. really does. Like. Yeah, there was somebody great who actually said that, right? Nah. <laughs> it's better to give than to receive. Yeah. Um, and then the other book that we've done book study with our team, our employees, is The Energy Bus by John Gordon. So those are two great books to up-level your team. See, we're guilty as entrepreneurs of studying and learning and getting better and smarter as as leaders, but then we forget to share these books with our team. No, I, so. You know what? I, I love that you gave this list right now, Debbie, too, and you broke it down the way it, because again, it's not even just about books, but think about like workshops and seminars and conventions and things that we as the business owners or leaders go to. And it's our job to bring things back, but to do these case uh, workbook studies, like with the employees and with the team and allowing them to read and get involved. Yeah. I, it, it just, uh, it, you're doing it together, right? You're growing it your business their together. Life. It's a dynamic. It's really yes. a different dynamic. So I appreciate that you actually took the time to, to really thoughtfully put out that list. And like she said, you guys, I'm going to put every book, every author, I'm even going to, I'll probably put a link to every book on it. I'm sure you can get them all on Amazon. Yeah. Um, Amazon. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Debbie, thank you so much for that. But I, I want to, cause we're coming close to an hour. I told you it was going to take longer than 45 minutes, uh, but you, I'm sure nobody's going to complain about it. Let's wrap up, which, which I think is the most important piece of the presentation that I saw from you and not even the presentation, you guys, like I, you know, I, again, I researched Debbie. I saw some of her videos and it was very consistent across the board when she spoke about this VIP title and who the VIPs of your company are. And I know I've said this before on a conversation where we know the most important people should be your cleaners. Um, you know, I would call them rock stars. I would call them, you know, not even cleaners, but engaged cleaners or engaged employees. But the way you presented it, Let's end on that note, right? Where it's, to me, the most important piece. The VIPs I think it is. of our businesses. Yes, drop the, I, drop I think the mic on the VIPs. Let's, <laughs> let's drop the mic. Here's, here's the mic drop moment for so many service business owners. And really, uh, people all over the country and literally all over the world, is we have it backwards in our industry. Too often we do everything we can to make sure the customer is happy and make sure the customer is satisfied and the customer is treated like royalty. And we forget that we have two customers in our business, not one. 
that that one customer that might pay a residential company forty five hundred dollars a year or that account that's going to pay you you know ten grand a month or five thousand dollars a month we think that's our VIP customer but we have two customers in our business and I argue that the real VIP customers in our business are our employees our frontline workers the person out there pushing the vacuum emptying the trash mopping the floor that's my VIP customer when we have that backward we treat them second we say with lips lips lip service oh you're the most important thing here we do it with lip service but do we live it and i i believe if you do the math and you calculate what one like you said highly engaged rock star cleaner what did they generate to your company how can you not acknowledge that that employee is your most valuable customer. So why don't we treat them like the VIPs they are? I mean, a janitorial company or a cleaner could probably generate $100,000 a year in revenue. In a a residential, uh, one good cleaner, a committed full-time cleaner, will generate $55,000 to $60,000 a year in revenue. I don't have a single client that pays us that. Yeah, in my like that, that's your contract. Yeah. That's so your, that's we your, have to, yeah. yeah, that's, that is my, that's my gold mine contract that you always dream of. But we have to live it. If they're VIPs, then why does our hierarchy look like a typical triangle, triangle right? Typical triangle, founder, owner, president, top at the very top right? They get the biggest office, the nicest, everything. And then the operations or office manager or the CEO, whoever, and then the managers. And then the bottom of the triangle is all the cleaners, right? It's there at the bottom, right? They don't even have a locker, (laughs) right? But, but, and obviously it's not practical. Their, their office is their, is their car, but, but why do we have this backwards? So I made a decision many years ago, that I would teach my leadership team, my administrative team, that our triangle is upside down. The, the point is at the bottom and the wide part with all the cleaners are at the top. So it's an upside down triangle with the points at the bottom. The owner is the peon and so are the administrative team. And, and it's not that I treat them like peons, of course, uh, they wouldn't course. work for me. And mo- most yeah. of my leadership team have been with me for more than a decade. But, but we want them all to understand your job only exists to serve and support and elevate our cleaners. Ooh. And so your job is to find ways to roll out the red carpet for our rock star celebrity VIPs. And they walk in with a vacuum in their hand, not a checkbook. Right. And so, if we flip our thinking, we can transform our business. Oh, we can man. transform the lives. I, I feel like, oh my, this should have been like at the beginning of the conversation, but it's all right. <laughs> we got snippets that we're going to do here, Debbie. We can talk that, more again someday. <laughs> that that was, like, I got goosebumps as far as, like, think about what you said. So uh, my when, when Marley was here on the day-to-day stuff, her number one priority was a supply closet. And she, uh, I guess, didn't even know what she was saying at the point as far as if you think about the supply closet for our teams in the field, on the janitorial side for commercial properties, that's their home. Like they don't come, yes. like you said, like they don't get to come to the office all the time, like administrative or management. So by us caring so much, like I'm talking about, we go and we build shelves, we clean out the floor, we strip and wax the floor if we need to on us. We, uh, we, we line, they have the most beautiful supply closet without knowing our, our quality control and training team. We're like, Rick, the people actually enjoy going into work, knowing like that's their spot. Like it looks great. Feels great. It's clean. It's organized. Uh, color it's their court- office. That's their office. So if you think about what you said, where we are their support system, like if you look at it, like, yes, we may have higher paying salary positions or, you know, important decision making, you know, things that we need to be doing. But if we care about them and support them, there's nothing but success that is going to come because all they're going to do is work their asses off 
because they're happy, they're motivated, they're driven, and, be loyal. and they know that they're cared for, right? Because they're yes. they're going to be loyal if they're cared for. If we don't care for them, which you'd be amazed at how many situations I walk into, and I'm like, how how did somebody work out of this closet? Like it is in disarray. It smells. It's to me the closet is it. Like we win at the closet. That that is our number one thing. Well, it shows your employees how much you respect them and how much you appreciate them when you've taken the time to have a clean, organized closet instead of a grungy, nasty thing because, well, it's the janitor's closet. I mean, who does that? Nobody. Yeah. Nobody, because our industry has it backwards. We would never let our customers walk into our office and see all this nasty stuff sitting no. around. But the, but our VIP customer opens a closet and that's, that's their That's office. what they walk into. Ugh. Right. Let's get it imagine, right. Let's get it right. Imagine having a space on the closet where they can hang pictures of their kids. Yeah. You know, and, and they get to anyway. So yeah. we have to always be intentional on purpose, thinking of ways. How do I make the janitorial closet a very welcoming place? If yep. that's where they are, why not make it beautiful, smell good with inspirational. So that's why I loved your office. Ricky. Yeah. Oh. Your whole office is inspiring. You got this. You can do it. You are the best. I'm like, who can't walk into that office and feel like their day just got better, even if they're going to go clean a toilet? Yeah. I mean, you're going to feel great. No, oh, that hey, we're you guys. We're here talking about closets. We're talking about supply closets right now. This is where this conversation has gone. Uh, yep. So, again, because we could talk for hours and dates. It's already been an hour. We're still going. Oh my yes. Gosh. All right. We're going to wrap it up, you guys. But wrap it up on a good note as i said earlier in the conversation debbie is not not only all these other titles that we talked about but cleaning for a reason which me and debbie have a lot more to talk about because i want to get more involved with the organization as well let's end with that debbie let people know what is cleaning for a reason how do people get involved i will share as much information on the on the description like i said i would but what what is cleaning for a reason and why should people care about uh, assisting and helping and joining? Cleaning for a reason is the number one nonprofit in the world for the cleaning industry. And there are a lot of great causes out there that all of us could align with. And I still give to many other causes. But if you own a cleaning company, any kind of cleaning company, you should be a part of Cleaning for a Reason. We provide free house cleaning services to families that are battling cancer. And we don't just talk about it. We actually do it. We have over 1,200 residential cleaning companies that are signed up to go out, and janitorial companies who offer residential cleaning who are signed up to go out and provide free house cleaning services to families right there in their own community um, because they have cancer. Yeah. We've helped over, I, I think it's about 43,000. I checked earlier today, 43,000 families have gotten their homes cleaned for free. That's awesome. By a cleaning for a reason partner company since I started the organization in 2006. And it's totaled over $15 million in donated services. Ooh. So we're always looking for more residential cleaning companies. We're always looking for janitorial companies who want to give back and give back inside of the world of cleaning. Yes. It's a powerful tool of distinction inside of a bid proposal to share with uh, prospective customers how you're giving back to the community. Did Everybody you just talk about bid proposals? Businesses to give. Did you just yes. talk about bid proposals? Do I you, did. Do you know where oh, Route? Oh, did I use the wrong word? No, I'm saying, do you know where Route does? Oh. Route creates digital proposals, which... Yep. I'm telling you, I just actually, I had an epiphany. We'll talk about it later. Uh -oh. but I, I think, uh, here we go. Innovator, yeah. innovator. <laughs> no, I think there's something we could do there. Yes. Um, yes. With the People expect businesses to give like, back. They there, don't expect you to be successful without helping. There could be a call out for that cleaning for a reason. Uh, donate. All right, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you about it. But I just oh, thought about, I We're thought about something. Um, yeah. I know we always, we were talking about the 100K challenge, yep. but let's actually, let's, let's do something about that. You know, I, I definitely want the audience to know that me and Debbie are going to be working on, you know, she's got a great challenge already. I think she's already a quarter or even almost a halfway in. 
I'm um, halfway through. She's halfway but through. I can see a Rosalado driven challenge right here. Oh yeah. No. Yes, I'm answering that call. We we are going to definitely put some, put our money where our mouth is, and we have more events that are coming. But I I, I want cleaning for a reason to be a part of everything we do because uh, it does it does touch us because you know I know I'm sure you met Tony who was one of our co-founders of Rosalado. His wife yeah. uh, Becky dealt with cancer, you know, passed away from breast cancer. So it's something wow. near and dear to us. So yes. I, we are up for the challenge. We want to work with you. We want to talk to you about that. There's a lot of ideas that we have for it, but that's another conversation. But we got to drop well, some, we will brainstorm. We got to drop some teasers in here, right? People got to know okay. we're going to be working on this. Um, but you guys, I, I know you, we can't hear you, but wow. Round of applause for you, Debbie. This was awesome. Nuggets across the board. Um, I will, if you're okay with it, I'm going to put all of your LinkedIn profile, Instagram, all the channels for people to get a hold of you and talk to you uh, within the YouTube channel. And then, absolutely, uh, you guys, let's. I, Debbie, thank you so much. I appreciate you for your time. We are over and out. You guys, tune in to the next Thank Cleaning Cocktails episode. Debbie, any last words that you want to leave for the cleaning industry audience? I am so grateful I met you. I love your passion for this industry, your track record of success. And I know together we are going to change, up-level, and improve our industry together. And we're going to serve more families with cancer. So it's a win-win for everybody. Boom. Everybody knows I love the word boom. There you go. All right, guys. Till the next time. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Over and out.